Welcome to Facing Mental Illness, the podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Seidman. And this is your co-host and producer, Laura Randall. We are delighted that you're joining us today to hear another personal story of someone with lived mental health experience. Today, our guest is Ruth Farfell from Baltimore, Maryland. Ruth is a social worker working in education policy and research for the Fund for Educational Excellence, a nonprofit that supports schools in resource development, fundraising, and solutions to problems. She is also an artist and a mental health advocate. And I've been, we've been a long time planning this interview, and I'm very much looking forward to talking with Ruth. So welcome, Ruth. We're really glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. We always start out by asking our guests to um, help our listeners just get a little familiar with who they are, where they came from, uh, what their, you know, younger years were like. So just uh, fill us in a little bit on who who is Ruth Farfell. I'm born and raised in Baltimore. Um, I grew up in a quaint, idyllic little neighborhood in the city that you wouldn't think was in the city. Yeah, my childhood often say was pretty like uneventful, except except that I think about I do think about like how I was as a child. I was pretty um, quiet and shy, but I loved just you know, exploring and playing with other kids in my neighborhood. Both of my parents worked in similar fields that what I as what I work in now, social work and, and um, you know, helping families in Baltimore. Um, so I grew up around sort of people that were in that kind of helping profession and, and always looking out for other people and, and a strong sense of community, honestly, um, in the neighborhood I grew up in. My, my childhood was quiet and fun, but also a little bit scary for me. How so scary? I didn't have the awareness that I have now about my anxiety and and fears, but I was, I didn't, I didn't like adventure. I wasn't a kid that went out and would go climb a tree. I didn't, um, I didn't come from a competitive, I didn't do any sports. I didn't really like do a ton and I didn't put myself out there because of some of my fears. At some point, did you kind of get gain some awareness of the fact that, you know, there was something going on in you that was troubling or bothersome or? Yeah, I feel like it wasn't necessarily one moment, but it definitely kind of like increasingly led up to me being like, whoa, this does, I don't feel right. Like something's off. I don't, you know, I don't know how to navigate this, these things, things feel heavy. And so First of all, I had a really hard elementary school experience, which feels important to share. I was bullied. I didn't do well in school at all. Like it just wasn't a good school environment for me. I didn't, I wasn't learning on par with the other students. I almost like repeated a grade, which was really traumatic for me. Like I said, I was just like kind of this quiet, sensitive kid. And so then going into elementary school, I, where I wasn't doing well and I was like bullied, it was just like not a good first experience into my school world. And then I transitioned into a smaller kind of like charter school um, because my parents noticed that I wasn't doing as well. And um, I did thrive a little bit more. It was definitely like a more um, nurturing environment for me. But I also still noticed like I felt a lot of social anxiety. I felt a lot of actually here's a story. I visited the school uh, with my mom and 
since it's a charter school, they did a lot of like alternative, like very cool things with kids. So like instead of regular gym, they had Taekwondo. And I was visiting the school with my mom and we're watching Taekwondo and the the teacher invites me to come on the mat with the other kids and they're all in their uniform and they're doing their, and I go on and we start doing things and I run off crying. I just was like so overwhelmed and scared. I'd never like done anything like that with felt on the spot. And that was sort of my defining moment a little bit. Like I felt like the teacher always remembered that about me. Like Ruth is a scared little child. And I never liked that. I never liked it. I felt like it held me back in so many ways. And so I remember, I don't even know that the school counselor must have visited the school. Like she had an office next door. And I remember reaching out to her and being like, I think there's some things I want to talk about. (laughs) I feel a little bit weird about these things, or I'm nervous about the school dance or like, I don't really know what language I used, but I definitely started going to see her. How old were you when you started doing that? It must have been sixth or seventh grade. I liked it. Like it felt like I had a space to like talk about things I hadn't really talked about or knew how to talk about. So that I guess that was sort of like the opening of my world. I remember talking a lot about self-esteem, my looks and my personality. And is it interesting? I don't know, like struggling with not feeling liked or being popular and So did at some point um, things escalate to the point where just visiting the counselor wasn't helping or or did it just kind of remain that way throughout your school years? It kind of remained that way. Um, And to be honest, but in high school, I also, the second half of high school, I also went to see the counselor there. My mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was in 11th grade. I guess that was a turning point for me because I didn't realize how serious it was and saw my mom go from a functional human to laying on the floor of a bathroom crying and not really understanding how to navigate that. Were there any kind of coping mechanisms that you developed on your own in terms of things that you could do to make yourself calm down or feel better or more at ease? I mean, to be honest, a lot of distraction. Like, I think I I just remember sleeping a lot and being on the computer a lot. But I also did write during that time in and out a little bit. I, I did use writing and poetry as a way to express how I felt. Even before high school, I remember getting upset about something and going to my room, writing a poem about it and like reading it to my parents. <laughs> Sometimes that was an out. That was an outlet for me. I'm I'm hoping that your mom came through that experience uh, okay. She did for a while, but she passed away six years ago. She survived the first round, um, and she was alive for seven years, eight years, and then it came back strong. That experience, like seeing my mom sick and then seeing her die from cancer has been really has really impacted my mental health in ways that I'm kind of just discovering. And and talk about not not only about what you were studying, but did you what was your college experience like? College was another time where I, I noticed that I always kind of tried to look out for myself in my in terms of my mental health. So even before I started college, I literally remember emailing the counseling department, the counseling center and being like, I'm gonna need someone. (laughs) 
like, this is going to be hard for me. I'm really scared. So I set myself up to have be in therapy. Um, and I remember spending a lot of time freshman year talking about social anxiety. But yeah, I, I did actually, despite all of that, make have a good group of friends that actually I, I still have a couple of best friends from college now um, that I that I'm friends with. That was so proactive of you to reach out to the counseling department before you ever entered school. Where did that come from? I mean, did that come from your parents' influence or did you, was it just like, I, I need help? I mean, no one else in my family was, and no offense to them, was actively in therapy or talked about their mental health in that way. I think I just knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew that like there were these things that I struggled with and I just needed to take care of myself. And the only way I knew how to do that was to have someone else helping me. Yeah, looking back, I just, it was a way to make sure I would be okay. So overall, was your college experience uh, a, a good one? And how was your mental health as you emerged into adulthood? Yeah, overall college was good. I think I was really able to come out of my shell and develop my voice and my interests, obviously, and and become a little more independent and do scary things that I thought I couldn't do. I traveled abroad, which again was another moment that I thought I couldn't do. College was a place where I was like, I'm going to try these things that I never thought I could do. And so I would take one by one and sort of check them off. So studying abroad was another time where I literally went to the study abroad office and I was like, listen, I have a lot of anxiety and I'm really scared to do this, but I want to do it. Can you help me figure out an experience that would feel safe for me? So I'm so glad I did it. I, I you know, it was so hard for me, but I learned a, a lot. Where were you? I was in South Africa, a really small town, actually, like pretty far from like the two major cities. But I remember for the first two weeks crying in my room and really wanting to go home. Like, I just didn't think I could do it. And then I did. Well, I just think it's so impressive that at such a young age, you recognized that you needed help and you sought it out. Where do you think that came from in you? I think I just wanted to do something differently. I've always been someone that wants to push themselves and like doesn't want to be held back by things. So whether it was intentional at the time, or I had the awareness, I think I just, I've always been wired that way. Like, this is not gonna stop me. And maybe I saw people around me who it did stop them. And I was like, I'm gonna try something different. I don't, again, like, that's me now thinking back, I just, I've just always been sort of pushing myself. So when you when you graduated from college, what were your plans and, and what came next after that? Like most college students, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I need a job, but like, don't know what to do. So I did AmeriCorps VISTA program, um, which is like, like, which is like a year of service. Ended up doing two years of that in Baltimore. Again, it was like very much in line with sort of my social work interest and just like Um, working in communities. I worked at a university, Towson University, a little outside of Baltimore City, and we worked with a community in South Baltimore. And so I would bring students there and they would be involved in different activities with families and students there. I enjoyed it. It was definitely very hard at times. I think after that, that's when I realized I want to go back to school. 
and sort of be more intentional with the work that I want to do. So you went back for a, a master's degree? Master's in social work. Yep. That's when my mom was diagnosed with cancer again. Felt like my whole family was a little bit in denial of how sick my mom was because um, it got bad fast. I was struggling a bit in school. I wasn't like failing or anything, but I definitely like missed some classes. I would be sleeping a lot. I just wasn't that motivated. And then when she passed, I actually like became the opposite. I like felt a need to, I knew my mom would have wanted me to finish grad school. Um, and she was really proud of me. Um, so I felt like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for my mom. But I can't imagine how difficult that must have been to go through the process. You said she, she died fairly quickly. So a matter of months or. Yeah, she was diagnosed in like the like summer of 2016, like June or maybe spring. And she died in December. My sister got married. She was able to go, but she was very, I mean, she was declining really fast um, despite getting treatment. Talk about what um, that did to your own mental state. I think like I was really, really anxious and I don't even know the word for it, scared of the whole time and, you know, trying to take it day by day. So I think I always had it in my head that like, this probably isn't like my mom's not going to survive. I didn't quite know what to do or how to show up for my mom or my dad even. Were you talking to anyone at that time, a therapist or a counselor or anything? So again, when I started grad school, uh, I was like, gonna need a therapist. So I did, I was talking to someone and then like scheduling paused and I like stopped seeing them. And then she actually reached out. And I don't know if my mom had just died, but it was like perfect timing. Cause I like, wasn't, I don't know if I was in a space to like reach back out or I just was putting it off and I was so glad and we started started our sessions again which was really good. So you say you didn't really have like a crash and burn after your mom died? You were inspired to go on for her? I definitely was like obviously distraught and heartbroken and grief is like a whole wild ride. But I remember being okay. I think I pushed a lot down and wasn't fully aware of the the pain of it until until COVID hit and I started getting like some panic attacks, nightmares, and I realized that I I pretty much have some PTSD from from that experience. I think I didn't crash and burn because I was like not it hadn't like hit me yet. And then, and then it was like, oh, I think I need, I think I need to think about, I think I need to take care of myself in ways that I wasn't, no, I didn't know I needed. What, what do you think about COVID precipitated that? Were you, were you not working in an office anymore? Were you isolated? I went from working in an office five days a week to being home alone five days a week, which was not great for me. I, I slipped into like a pretty difficult mental state. I like begged my husband to stay home with me and he didn't have a job that was an option at all. I mean, I know a lot of people 
were feeling it, but I was pretty sad and lonely and didn't didn't think I would come out of that experience in a positive way and and somehow have I gotta ask when when the husband entered the picture we didn't we didn't talk about him when did when did you meet uh, your husband and how did you get married uh, we met in college he is from Jordan so he was born there and went to high school there and randomly came to a small liberal arts school in the eastern shore of Maryland and we met my senior year, his sophomore year, yeah, we've been together since we I was 20, um, and I'm 31 now, and we got married like a year after my mom died. Yeah, I'm just really grateful that Hassan, his name, um, he got to know my, my mom and my family. And So after COVID hit and you could feel yourself kind of spiraling, is there a point where, where you kind of hit bottom, or can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I wasn't really sleeping. I was having a lot of panic, like waking up in panic attacks, um, having a lot of nightmares, which some of that I still have, but it's definitely less. Yeah, I just didn't know how to be alone. And so I was in therapy throughout that time. But to be honest, I think, and obviously I, you know, the therapist guided me, but I did a lot of self-work on like, how am I going to take care of Ruth? Like, I got to do something different. This isn't working. And I slowly just like worked myself out of the darkness and the hole a little bit. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I create, being creative helped. I remember like spending hours in my basement painting with my cats. Um, I remember like taking walks in my neighborhood. I took a lot of walks with different people. I slowly just found things that brought me joy and they weren't these big grand things they were these little things that I hadn't really I noticed before but not in real ways it wasn't all at once but suddenly I was like operating differently and feeling a little bit more stable and having like better coping strategies something that I've learned a lot in the last two years is more about my nervous system and like being aware of when I feel off and dysregulated and when I'm in fight or flight. I know that language is circling a little bit more and I'm so grateful for it because I think I, prior to COVID, was so detached from my body. Like I just spent so much time in my head and not understanding I don't know, my basic needs, like, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I, I think I spent a lot of time these past two years understanding how my mind and body work together. Um, and that's been a huge thing for me. So tell me now, like, if you start to feel anxious or something, I mean, are, are you on top of it? And what do you do? What have you found that works for you to help you through that kind of crisis period? I'm by no means perfect. And there are times I slip back into old patterns, but I am so much more aware or I'm feeling this way. Like I just get little like signals now, Ruth, something's off, go take care of it. And I have, you know, meditation. I don't do it all the time, but I've become so much more like, I used to think, oh, here we go. Like, this is not going to help me. It does. It doesn't fix everything, but it makes room 
and space for awareness. And when I'm aware, I automatically feel better. Yeah, I just, I think because I, I'm more aware and I'm, no, the noticing helps. Um, my therapist is always like, where do you notice in your body? And so I used to be like, I don't notice, I don't feel anything. Like, I don't know what she's talking about. And now I'm like, oh, I noticed something. And so I think just being a little more curious, being a little more compassionate with myself has really gone a long way. Give me, give me an example of something physical that you may become aware of that you then connect to, oh yeah, I'm feeling this because of this mental thing. Oftentimes I feel, I feel like my shoulders are heavy or my stomach is upset and I, I didn't really notice it before or understand it. But when I feel those things now, I'm like, let me think about how my day's been going. Let me think about like, my interaction, like, is anything stressful happening in my world? And I can't always place my finger on it. But once I start to carve out space for the reflection, I can kind of be like, okay, I'm feeling this because I think about my days a lot. And I think we bump up against things in our days, in our day to days, and we don't realize that they kind of like take us off balance. Like whether it's a stressful phone call or an argument with your partner, we just kind of expect that we'll be okay and like things will kind of fine tune themselves. But if you don't actually, for me personally, if I don't like tend to that little wound, because it is a little bit of a wound of my nervous system, then I'm going to be off. It's just going to like spiral. And so if I do take care of it, I'm back to like an equilibrium again. I was never, Carrie, never aware of those. That is a really, those things have been huge for me. So you you also said that, that being creative really, really helped you. And you talked about painting, but I know that you also have done a lot of writing too. Can you share a little bit about, you know, your writing and how that's helped? Well, during COVID, I started a little informal writing group with my friends because I felt like, oh, this might be another way that I can help myself, but I would love to do this with community. So we did like virtual sessions and we would write for 30 minutes and then share with some of my closest friends and family and everyone loved it. I was always like, are people gonna get sick of it? Are they bored? And I would get texts afterwards being like, Ruth, thank you so much. Like, this has been so helpful for me. Like, I just appreciate you bringing us together. So it actually went on a lot longer than I thought. Like like a year. It did fizzle out, but it led to me working on my writing more intentionally. And I started a blog last year called Ruthie Write. And I just starting to be more of a writer, like wear that hat more. And I, in my writing, my writing has changed a lot. I share a lot more about my mental health. And I share a lot more about just like being a person in the world and navigating things. And I try to be kind of vulnerable just because it helps me process. So it definitely has become an outlet. I want it to open up doors for other people too. Where would you say your mental health is at these days? It's hard for me to say this, but I've, I've been in a really good place. Um, Wait, why is it hard for you to say that? Because my anxiety says you will not stay there long. It's always like, all right, what's the next horrible thing that's going to happen? So I'm trying to live in this space of gratefulness and curiosity and just being grateful. 
I find so much joy in little things now and I can be alone and enjoy it. I don't know. I just, the skies have opened up. <laughs> like it was so dark for so long during COVID. And I think I'm just learning, lean into the uncomfortableness and tend to it more and like really rely on myself. You know, like I would always rely on other people to make me feel better, which they can. But like, if I can do it, then it's a little more sustainable. <laughs> so um, Ruth, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share or, or do you have any like words of wisdom? <laughs> there, I've experienced a lot of shame privately about my anxiety and a lot of self-deprecation and beating myself up about things that I get. I can't control, like, I was, I just have this thing, and it's hard, but it's not my fault, and I'm a human, and compassion for myself has been life-changing. I know it's one of those buzzwords now, but honestly, it has gotten me through so many difficult moments that I thought I wouldn't get through, because I literally was like, Ruth, I love you. It's okay. And just validating myself has been huge. I used to beat myself up about everything. It was my go-to response. And now my go-to response is, well, how can we take care of you right now? What do you need? Talking about my mental health has doing this podcast with you is like another journey for me to be able to like share and heal. And so for me, talking about these things has released a lot of shame and so I encourage people like to just turn inward a little bit and be a little bit kinder to your to yourself and know that like we all struggle with varying degrees of mental health challenges. It's okay to ask for help too. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Ruth. And we're I just think you you hit on some really critical points that'll really speak to a lot of people. So we wish you the best. I believe your your blog is on um, Substack. Is that right? Yes, it's it is. called R Ruthie Writes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we'll have a link to that on on my Substack account. And um, best of luck to you. And I hope we'll stay in touch. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Carrie, I think you and I agree that Ruth's proactivity really helped her through a lot of difficult times. She was able to, even before she felt like things were bad, she proactively pursued support. And I think that made a huge difference in her journey through her mental health challenges. And I just was struck by how different her approach and her journey was than like somebody from my generation. I mean, this wasn't even her parents saying you need counseling. This was her saying, I feel scared. I feel uncertain. I feel insecure. And going to the school counselor and not just once, but regularly, and then going back again and dealing with the death of her mother, knowing that she needed to su support to get through that. I just think it was a, her podcast is a really good testament to the benefit of early and 
consistent intervention and support, which I'm afraid is still not not the norm. It's becoming more the norm, I think, because people of Ruth's generation are much more open to it. There's not, it's not as stigmatized. It's, it's more readily available. Um, so I, I took a lot of hope from, from this conversation that, you know, maybe the day is going to come where everybody, you know, reacts that way. They don't wait till things get to a crisis situation, but they, you know, get the support they need early on. Agreed. And I think it's a testament also to Ruth's self-awareness. I think sometimes we feel something's not right, but we can't identify it. And therefore we just sort of push it to the bottom. So again, kudos to her for having this, the recognition that that's not how it was supposed to be and pursuing it. Once again, Carrie, I'm grateful that you conducted such a great conversation. As always, it's a pleasure hearing you and being able to share these conversations with our listeners. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back soon with the next Facing Mental Illness podcast. Cheers. Cheers.